This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Let's take a second to thank today's sponsor, Anchor. Anchor is by far the absolute easiest way to make a podcast. And when I say easy, I mean easy. First of all, it's completely free and there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit right from your phone or your computer. Best of all, with Anchor, you can add any songs from Spotify directly to your episodes. So the possibilities are endless on what you can create. Whether you want to create a music analysis, your own radio show, a deep dive on your favorite genre or artist, or something that the world's never heard before. Anchor will even help publish your show to Spotify so you can reach hundreds of millions of listeners. Oh, did I mention there's no copyright on the songs? Yeah, it's that easy. You guys want to start a podcast that includes music, or you guys just want to start a podcast in general, get started by downloading the free Anchor app or going to anchor.fm. And if you need some inspiration, you can head over to blog.anchor.fm slash music from some more idea starters. Thank you so much, and let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Real Real Podcast with Natalie Barbu. Instagram might be your highlight reel, but we're here to talk about the real real. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to The Real Real Podcast with me, Natalie Barbu. In today's episode, I am interviewing Klain. Klain is a New York-based art and wedding photographer with an amazing, amazing creative eye. And in today's episode, we talk about his beginnings from being homeless to getting his photo on the cover of National Geographic, how he got into wedding photography, and just all about his journey and how he got to where he was, and kind of how to make it in the industry and some secrets that maybe you don't really read about um so i think it's a really interesting episode if you guys are into photography or not this episode is going to be interesting just because it really shows how you can create a business out of your passion and how you really can pursue a job and a career out of what you love doing so i'm really really excited to have clayne on my podcast he was such a gem to have on so so nice just the kindest person and I know that you guys will really love this episode. Um, again, just a reminder, this is also on YouTube, so you guys can actually watch the interview on YouTube if you guys like that more visual aspect of it, and then if you guys want to listen to it, of course, it's everywhere on podcasts as well. Um, anyways, I'm really excited to jump into it, but before we get started, I did want to highlight the reviewer of the week, so I am just pulling that up now. I actually read it this morning, and it made me so happy. I was just like, you guys are so freaking nice and whenever I read your reviews which by the way I do read every single review on Apple Podcasts which they all mean so much to me um it's just like crazy because I'm like wow you guys took the time out of your day to leave this review so if this podcast is enjoyable if you guys have learned anything if you guys use it as a source of entertainment if it's motivational please 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 be sure to go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts and give it a review because that is what helps my podcast grow this podcast review is from Allie and she says I've been listening to Natalie's podcast since it first started and she never disappoints with a single episode she finds unique speakers from all different backgrounds who each have something special and valuable to share I've learned so much from the experiences of people whose lives are very different from mine they may have had very different experiences than me but once I hear their stories there's always something I connect deeply with Natalie is such a boss lady and an inspiration I love that she understands that she doesn't have the experience to talk on every subject out there and instead brings on boss ladies or men like Clayne <laughs> who are experts in different fields Natalie has built such a valuable inspirational and unique podcast and each episode brings something new I have to mention that the episode with Maho was great and pushed me to finally write this review keep up the great work that was so nice that took time that was just so sweet and that's always what I want to do with this podcast is bring on different experiences bring on different life paths bring on different careers and tell me how you got to where you are because I have such a small 
amount of knowledge that I can share because all I know is like what I've lived you know so I think podcasting gives me that opportunity to give my platform to others and for others to share their stories because I think every single story is important you don't have to be famous you don't have to have followers you just need to be a person that has a unique experience and every single person does so really excited to have Clayne on his experience his journey his life story is amazing and I know that you guys will like it um so yeah let's just get into the episode Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today as it should with Earnin. Earnin is an app that is changing the game when it comes to getting paid. Imagine having access to the money you've earned as you work, not just waiting for payday. With Earnin, you can access up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So think about it. The next time you're planning a special night out, you need a last minute gift for a loved one, or you face an unexpected expense, like maybe a trip to the vet. Earnin has you covered. For me, it's about having the flexibility to handle those surprise expenses that life throws my way. So whether it's unexpected bills or needing to cover rent when things are tight, Earnin gives me peace of mind knowing that I have access to my hard-earned cash when I need it most. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type Real Real under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show, so please don't forget that step. Real Real under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Let's talk about styling hair because it is a whole production, especially when you are battling frizz. And take it from me, I live in Miami, Florida. It is about to be summer. I really know frizz, but honestly, I would rather be doing something else like booking a spontaneous vacation to St. Bart's or rewatching the Airs tour for like the third time. You know, the important stuff. But who actually has time for frizz? Introducing Way's new anti-frizz cream, it is like a superhero for your hair. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours. I actually brought it on a trip with me and my friend borrowed it and she purchased it right then and there because it was that good. So how does this fit into my hair routine? It is the best thing I could have done for my hair. I am all about saving time and the anti-frizz cream does just that. Plus the Sydney inspired North Bondi scent is so amazing. You can thank bergamot, Italian lemon violet and more. And as someone who is always concerned about heat damage because I definitely use a lot of heat on my hair, this anti-frizz cream provides heat protection, which is such a big relief. And my hair feels so much lighter and looks smoother after using it. Get busy being frizz free with Way's new anti-frizz cream. It's not just about taming frizz. It also provides heat protection up to 450 degrees, reduces and repairs split ends, quenches dry hair with intense hydration. And according to a consumer perception study, 90% of participants agreed that their hair looked less frizzy after using it. I can definitely contest that. And while you're at it, check out Way's other bestsellers like the leave-in conditioner, which I also use, detox shampoo, fragrances, hair oils, and hair gloss. They're all essential for achieving that salon-worthy look at home. So you can frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code RealReal for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code RealReal. Hi, Clayne. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. 
I'm really excited to have you on and to hear all about your story and how you got to where you are today. But we're just going to jump into setting the record straight, which is some stereotypes and some assumptions. And then you're going to tell me if they're true or false on your own experience. Sure. Sounds great. Okay. So the first one is social media has changed the photography business. Yeah, this is huge. And it absolutely has. It's completely morphed it from what it used to be. Um, in, in a lot of ways, it's, it's instant gratification and the ability to share the experience that you're going through right now. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's also allowed couples to dream bigger in the wedding industry because you can see more places, you can see different ideas, you can see things that you definitely wouldn't have thought of on your own. And I think a lot of the good ideas in photography come from combining two ideas into one combining a landscape image with, a, with love, a wedding image, or a right. photojournalistic image, right, with, with uh, different lighting. And it's just com about combining different ideas. And I think social media has really taken that to another level in a, way that, in a way that no other media platform could have. This can't happen with print. This can't happen with anything else. Uh, it has to be social media. And so I really like the idea of opening people's minds to seeing and viewing something different. And hopefully that translates when you are looking at, you know, not just my social media, but other people's social media that are really changing and taking the industry in a new direction. Right. And I feel like I never thought about it that way with the wedding industry, because now all weddings are even on Pinterest and Instagram has wedding accounts and they're all like so beautiful and extravagant. And I feel like before this, it was just like in a hotel ballroom or something in a church yeah. and like that was how weddings were. So now it's definitely, I feel like, changed the wedding industry as a whole too. Oh, it's great. It's changed the entire thing. And I think it's great because it's bringing the focus back on the couples. Like right. it's not so much about the grand, huge plaza wedding. I mean, plaza is great and I've shot there. It's amazing. But it's, it's about the couple. It's about their love. And couples are using social media to personalize their wedding, to make it theirs, and then to share that with other people. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I really haven't thought about like how much the wedding industry has changed since then, but that's really interesting too. And the next one is you need professional training to be a real photographer. That is a great question. There are some great photographers out there that have had professional training. Um, some of my friends went to Brooks Institute of Photography down in California. But um, as you know, I think that any artist, it's, uh, it's more about the passion and the love. I personally am an autodidact, completely self-taught. I've never taken a photography class, even in high school or college, uh, taught myself everything from the ground up. And so you see these institutions rise and fall, like Brooks Institute is gone. There's no Brooks anymore. It went bankrupt, went out of business, because wow. it was a for-profit university. And all of these photographers that went there, they do have a, of course it's a valid degree and it's great, but do they have the passion? Do they have the, the insight? Do they have what it takes? And that can't be taught. That's just right. something that you have or you don't. And so I think to be a real photographer, you have to be able to see the world a little differently, be open to new ideas, and then translate that through imagery. And that's something that you just have or you don't. Right. No, that's actually... I think everything now is self-taught. I mean, you can self-teach yourself so much, especially in like the creative world though. And again, like 
photography is a passion and you have to like actually enjoy doing it. It's not just like a job that you can go in for training, learn, and then leave. You know, it's something, I feel like it's like a lifestyle, honestly. Absolutely. You should know better than anyone else about being self-taught and kind of feeling your dreams at a young age and then just chasing it regardless of training. Right, right. Yeah. And now with YouTube, it makes a lot of things so much easier with like looking up tutorials on how to do things and yeah, so much easier. Yeah, absolutely. And then being a photographer is running your own business. Yes. In a lot of ways, I feel like your skills at at business and your skills at just being a good people person is so much more than shooting. it's, It's so much more important. My degree was in business back at the University of Washington. And I feel like just the the ability to communicate and connect with the couple, especially behind the lens, is vital. Like it's 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 not just vital, it's absolutely essential. It's a cornerstone of being an artist, is being able to c- connect with your couple. And that is running your own business, but it's it's being an artist and being able to monetize what you're doing by being really good at it. Right. And I mean, like you were saying, you have a team of people that you work with. You're, you have to determine your rates. You have to, I mean, it's a whole business in itself where you're deciding everything, um, like how you're going to get clients, the team that you're building, what you're charging your clients, working hours. Like I feel like being a photographer is being an entrepreneur, just being a more creative entrepreneur, honestly. It is. I don't know about more creative. We have to follow the basic rules. Uh, of everything else. The eye, the creative eye. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. doing something definitely creative to, you know, monetize it and try and make money and a living doing it, which can be really difficult. Right, right. So now tell us a little more about you and how you became a photographer and what your background is. That's an interesting story. I was actually homeless for a while when I was a teenager. And I sort of hit a rock bottom where I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I didn't know where I was going to go. And I didn't have a college degree. I didn't have anything. I didn't have any experience at all. So I decided to, I mean, after I hit rock bottom, I was living out of my car and I decided to get my S together and go back to college. So I went to the University of Washington, self-taught. While I was there, I got lucky and I got a job at the Seattle Times started as an internship. It's a, the biggest newspaper in Seattle. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you, you've heard of it. I started as an internship and then they hired me on. And there I, w- I taught myself photography and was continuing to get my degree. After I graduated, I stepped out of the time shadow. I was looking for a spotlight in the world of weddings, something a little different. I wanted to get out. And I love Seattle, but I had to get out of there. Right. And I wanted to do a little bit more destination and photography. So I, I taught myself and got out and uh, yeah, the rest wow. is Wow, <laughs> that's a crazy story. And what were you majoring in at school? Uh, business, communication. Okay, so what piqued your interest in photography? Was it just like being around the Seattle Times or what made you want to pick up a camera and learn how to use it? It had always been a fantasy of mine to shoot photography and get paid for it like National Geographic or you know just shooting as a as a photojournalist I think it would be right. an job. just any artist in general somebody who can get paid for their creativity is a success in any field just because it's such a hard field to get into so I think getting into 
weddings was something that I really desired to do, but it had always seemed like it was on the back burner because mm -hmm. it's one of those things that you're just scared to chase after. You don't, you don't want to fail. Nobody wants to fail. And so you just resist and don't do anything at all and go off into the, into the field and work for a different company. Right. But I decided uh, I was already at an all time low. You can't go any lower. And so if I can't make any money doing what I don't want to do, why don't I make no money doing what I really love to do and see and see what comes of it? And luckily, it kind of took off from there. Yeah, no, that's an incredible story and in how you went from literally being homeless to pursuing what you love doing. How did you, so at the Seattle Times, were you doing photography there? Like, how did you get your first foot in the door in the industry? At, when I was there, I was able to meet a lot of really great photographers. I got my foot in the industry, though, by shooting just because I love to. So I was shooting these landscapes that were um, a lot of stuff that was Seattle-ish. And this was just purely self-taught. So I was goofing off and I shot some really cool photos of Seattle at the time where I lived, where the lightning was hitting the Space Needle. You may or may not have seen it. And it got picked up by, I think it was in Smithsonian. It was in Reader's Digest. It was uh, featured on a National Geographic page. And from there, you know, it just builds. So you go into the Seattle Times with like a small resume and just like, it was old school. So I didn't have an iPad, they were printed photos. Mm -hmm. You show them your printed photos and like, okay, we'll give this guy a chance. And wow. uh, yeah, so it kind of took off from there. How did your photo get picked up? Like what was, did you just email it? No, I, I submitted it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Emailed okay. it. I submitted it. This was way back. Oh my gosh. This was way back before there were like photo contests online and anything else. This was 2006, seven. It was a long time ago. And so you yeah. have to like reach out to the companies directly and say, hey, I have this cool photo. Would you like to use it? And luckily it got picked up. That's crazy. Was that kind of like a pinch me moment for you to see your photo in all of these huge publications? Yeah, I think your first, your first publication is the biggest one just because right. it means so much to you. It's, your, it's, it's who you are in an image that you're putting out there to the world. Yeah. How, so how would you uh, say today is a good way to get featured in publications? Cause I know like, would you still do like the email just saying, Hey, this is a cool photo. Cause I feel like now the competition is so much higher too. It is. And that still definitely works. The old school email. A lot of times now it's just, it's unfortunate and fortunate at the same time, but a lot of it is just who, you know, right. So being able to email an editor that you have a personal relationship, you're much more likely to get featured than if it's just a cold blank image, unless it's some stunning image and you got right. really lucky. Right. I feel like now networking is so important in any like entertainment, creative industry, even business, like networking and who you know is so, so, so important. How do you make those first connections with people? Yeah, it really is important. I think the most important thing to do is, is be a real person. Like just, right. just be normal. You're an artist. And so you have to be, um, you have to be humble, but at the same time, you're putting yourself out there. There's a lot of vulnerability in that. And people don't want to work with anybody who's cocky, conf too confident or a jerk. And so being nice, honestly, like if you're work really hard and you're just nice to everybody, you'll go really far just with those mm -hmm. two attributes alone. And yeah, so I putting it out there and meeting people <laughs> helps, but uh, being nice is more important than anything else. Yeah, I feel like especially 
a lot of the creative industries. I'm thinking fashion because I just know about certain fashion industries and I feel like everyone thinks of it as like devil wears Prada where you have to be like super cutthroat and mean and step over people. But honestly, I feel like what gets you further is just being a kind person because the industry is so small. Like the influencer industry, everyone knows each other. Like all the PR people, they all know each other. They all talk. And so if someone's a difficult person to work with, they're going to say it to their friend at another PR agency that you're difficult or so I just feel like that goes such a long way and people don't ever talk about that. It's all like, Oh, work hard. Like, uh, be like post a lot, be consistent, but no one actually talks about like, Hey, just be like a nice person to whoever you meet. Is also That really is like half the battle. Just be yeah. nice, do good work and show up and you right. pretty much made it. <laughs> yeah. And professionalism. Cause so many times people like either like, yeah, don't show up, don't turn things in. Like <laughs> right. I feel like that does not ever look good either. <laughs> exactly. And you, so you went from being featured in a few publications and now you've been on the cover of a lot as well. Right you've been featured yeah. on the cover. How is that? Like, I feel like that's huge to be on the cover and you've been on the cover of National Geographic, right? Yeah, I was on the cover of their latest book. It's called Spectacle. And it's quite an honor just because uh, I feel like a lot of the other, the other covers of other publications, while they are great, the cover of National Geographic is purely based on merit. There is no chance, there's no, oh, I know this person, because they want to feature the single best image regardless of anything else. And so being on the cover of National Geographic is probably the biggest honor that any photographer could hope for outside of winning a Pulitzer, but it's still pretty great because it's a direct correlation to your eye and your talent, and it's a nod to you that you can't get any other way. And there are so many amazing photographers out there that have never gotten it. And for me to be the one that got it, I feel very lucky and very humbled. Um, and so it's it's just, oh my gosh, yeah, it was mind-blowing when they emailed me. Yeah. Well, did they just email you and they're like, hey, we love this picture. We'd love to feature it. Or did you kind of have to submit it to be on the cover? No, they, they, they emailed me and they said, hey, we're picking between this image that you shot and three other images from other photographers but we'll let you know in a week. And that was maybe the longest week of my life. (laughs) Wow. That's insane. That's, I mean, everyone knows of National Geographic. Like everyone knows what it is. Everyone's heard of it. Everyone's seen it. And everyone knows, again, like you were saying, it is based on merit. Like it's not like, oh, just a like really cool photographer is doing this. Like, no, it's like a really amazing, stunning capturing photo. Right. I feel like that's, that's probably a huge, like, crazy moment for you what other moments have been like those like pinch me moments like what what moments have you had that you're just like wow I can't believe this you really think that every time you do a wedding because a lot of the couples I select so when we interview I make sure that I want to work with them as well as you know they want to work with me and I want to work with them and more importantly that I can do what they want me to do and bring their vision to life and every single wedding just about you have a moment where you're like, I can't believe I'm getting paid for this. This is awesome. You know, you land in Iceland or you land in Bora Bora or uh, South Africa and you get off the plane and you are there purely because of your creativity. That Mm -hmm. is one of the highest honors that any person could have. You're there not because you're, you're, you know, good looking or, or, you know, whatever, whatever it is, or you know, who's who, or you're, you know, whatever. 
you're there purely because they believe that you're the one that can do the best job and capture what they want and translate it so that they can share that and relive that forever. Yeah. And how, how do you pick your clients? So I always ask people how, how do you get clients? But that's interesting because you do have a huge say in like who your clients are going to be as well. So how do you pick those? Yeah, that's a great question. I pick them based on the ability to deliver to them. So it's about the connection. It's about feeling what they want, setting and managing correct expectations, which is the best form to approach any relationship, whether it's business, personal, whatever. And if they haven't, a lot of times they come to me and they say, oh, we saw your images or whatever, and we want something that's dreamy, ethereal. I get those words a lot, sort of Mm -hmm. magical. And those are the couples that I love working with because they come in with an understanding of the, 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 the brevity, you know, this is a, a huge, a huge opportunity to create something together and to showcase their love in the place that they get married. And they understand that going in. So it's not your typical couple that just found me on, you know, the knot or something like that. It's more of like, Hey, we've researched a lot. We've done, we've looked at, I just shot a wedding in Napa and they said, we looked at 25 photographers and we wanted you. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is such an honor because I want you too. Because, yeah. because of that, right? Self-selection is the greatest determinant of job success. So if I'm able to go in and say, I can get you this, 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 and this, and they're like, yes, this is what we want, then we're both going to be successful and we're both going to love each other and have a great relationship for the rest of our lives. Right, right. I, I think that that's actually something interesting that you also have such a big say in who you're choosing and you have to like connect well with the couple as well because then your picture, the pictures probably wouldn't be even as good if like you guys didn't have a connection. Because I feel like so much of the, like if you're modeling for a photographer, if you're in front of the camera, it has so much to do with how you guys vibe and how you connect with the people. Like, I mean, obviously I'm not doing any like wedding photography anytime soon, but whenever I'm taking photos, if I don't really know the photographer that well, or it's just they're very cold. I feel like it affects even the way I take my photos. Oh my gosh, you are so spot on and we definitely need to do a photo shoot together. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right in the in the regards that a lot of fo- wedding photographers that call themselves photojournalists are great. They're great people and they're great photographers, but they're going to come and take emotionless photos because that's what a photojournalist does. They come in and they don't, you know what I mean? They document what's right. going on. You have to connect with the couple to translate that that love into art. And right. to do that, it's the exact opposite of photojournalism in a lot of ways, because you're not just documenting what's going on. You're getting involved in the couple. You're getting to know them. You're, you're, you know, building rapport, communication and trust with them. And then you're shooting one or two amazing images that they can have forever. Yeah. How did you get your first client for your first wedding? And was that super nerve wracking? Like a lot of pressure? I was sweating so much. Yes. (laughs) The first client for my first wedding being completely self-taught was actually on Craigslist. Wow. Yeah. I took out an ad on Craigslist while I was still in college. And I said, I will shoot your wedding for free. Just want to build a portfolio. And this couple hired me, well, hired me, you know, zero dollars and zero cents. Yeah. And I shot their wedding and I absolutely loved it. This was 15 years ago now. And just started that way, you know, building a portfolio. I had the passion to do it and I didn't care if I was getting paid or not. It's, you know, to this day, I do it regardless of the money just because I absolutely love it. 
And I had that passion back then. And getting started is really hard if you don't know anybody in the industry and you've never done a wedding before. What I would have given to go back and shoot underneath a photographer who shot these extravagant weddings in Seattle or all around the world. And in a way, I'm really grateful that that didn't happen. Because when you learn the hard way, you go through a lot of different loops and, and trials that help you learn and evolve and refine yourself that you would never learn if you were under the umbrella of somebody else. Right. So today, would you tell photographers to kind of do it how you like do it for free for at first, get as many clients as you can? Or do you think shooting underneath someone is helpful too? I think that's a great question. I think it's a personal choice just because mm -hmm. I continue to give beginning photographers. I get a lot of photographers reach out to me and they want to shoot with me and all this stuff. And I, I love giving them the opportunity. So I make that happen every time I can. And I've taken a lot of photographers under my arm and trying to like give them the opportunity that I never had. But at the same time, I think that it's, it's more about being able to do it yourself and, and what you love. And my path is different than other people's paths. And I understand that. So giving them an opportunity may help open the door and they can see what actually goes on at a wedding. Cause it's very different than what you think happens. Um, but at the same time, refining yourself can create a different kind of artist and perspective that you can't get by, by shooting with someone else, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And today, would you say the best way to kind of find clients and reach out to people or have people find you is through social media, or do you still think it's like word of mouth and just shooting as many people as possible? That is a great question. I think it is all about relationships. Mm -hmm. The social media is great. As you know, it's, it's brought a lot of people to you and you can have a nice spotlight in social media, but it's still about relationships even right. more, even more. Right. No, I mean, like we were saying, the world is small. People talk like if you're not, again, a nice person, if you don't connect with the people, I feel like you're not as likely to get hired for exactly. other upcoming like, projects. Exactly. And I feel like being able to, to, communicate in both the new forms of social media, but old school ways as well, really helps you stand out against the competition. Were you able to get that, that box I mailed you? Yes. Yeah. Or that not? see like, that was so sweet. I've never had anyone that I've had on my podcast do something like that. Like that. I was like, Oh wow. And your booklet that you gave me the magazine is on my coffee table. It's like yeah. a really nice, like coffee table book. It's perfect. In in yeah. 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 So that, that is another way of reaching out. I feel like mail and physical, a physical product is so underrated in today's society and social media is important, but having a physical product in your hand or having a face to face contact and connection is still paramount and it will always be paramount. There's nothing that right. beats it. there's nothing that beats the sensory, you know, the, the, the actual imagery of holding something and seeing it in print versus online. So that's kind of why I do that is to help with that connection. Yeah. I mean, it definitely does like make a standout impression as well. So I think that that's, that is something that everyone now has social media. So like, how are you going to set yourself apart from just exactly. like, another Instagram account? And you always take like really cool photos. Like for even that one, the one with the bride in the sand and like the train is kind of the ocean that, picture on the cover yeah. how do you get your inspiration like how where does your inspiration come from for your photos that is another great question wow inspiration for me personally uh comes from music it, it's different for every artist 
And a lot of the great photos that I, not, not saying I'm great, but the photos that I consider great are mm -hmm. simply just a combination of one or two different ideas that I've had. And you can get that inspiration by feeling something personally emotional without someone uh, affecting your mental, your mental image of it. And you can do that by listening to music. It, when you sit, like I like to sit in the car for about 30, 45 minutes before a wedding and just listen to music, let the creative juices flow. It puts me in a, in a place where I'm ready to sort of throw paint at a canvas and see what sticks in my mind to inspire that creativity. Um, and most people use music to define their individuality. And so sort of helping you get into the, into the mood, into, you know, cause you're, you're actually an artist. You're there to create something with them and right. you can't go in, even if you're, you're, you know, your dog died or your grandma's sick or whatever, they want you at your best. And so to get into the mood, you really have to sort of feel them as a couple. And anyway, I digress. The point no, is, that's, uh, that's, music is a, that's, a great way to connect with people. It's very interesting because I feel like music is is not visual at all, you know. So it's right. it's interesting that that is what inspires you. Do is there any particular music genre or anything that you listen, like a playlist that you listen to, or it varies based on the wedding. And I know that's such a cliche thing to say, but it's so true. Um, when you're when you're feeling it per couple, it helps take a lot of the um, a lot of the it's it's based on individuality if that right. makes any sense at all yeah and yeah. i know that's that's so, sorry it's a vague answer but it varies based on the couple based on the location the time of year it's really just a way to sort of get influenced without without somebody coming into your mind and on social media on those things i don't actually follow any other photographers unless I, they're personal friends because mm -hmm. i don't want my instagram flooded with i, I don't want to become mentally sort of, you know, photographers that hang together and shoot together, all their images look alike, which is right. fine. That's totally right. fine, but that's not me. I want individuality. And so I try to not follow other people or be influenced by anything visual. So I get that, that inspiration from something completely sightless, right? That's actually really cool because I think a lot of photographers that I follow on Instagram, for example, they do kind of all blend together at one point, you know, like it's, it's the same type of moody filters or it's the same type of poses. Right. And I think because if you're always on social media looking for inspiration, which it's not a bad thing, but if that's like the only thing you're looking at, then it's natural to kind of it look like other people, you know, like it's just natural to have the same type of content as other people. If you're all kind of, that's, that's the only thing you get your inspiration from. Yeah, absolutely true. And the greatest compliment is when I get a, a somebody message me, a friend or someone I've never met that says, this looks like one of your images, or this looks like this could be yours, and turns out most of the time it is. And that's the greatest compliment ever, because when you're looking at those Instagram, your Instagram feed, if you follow a lot of the same photographers, you're not gonna be able to tell who shoots it, who shot it without looking at the name. And so right. for someone to say, oh, this must be Klein's image, that is the greatest compliment an artist can have, because you've made a name for yourself so well that your work is so distinct that they know it when they see it. Yeah. And I feel like with social media too, like especially me, like being having my job on social media and with YouTube and Instagram so many times, I feel sometimes like comparing myself to other people who do YouTube and comparing myself to other people that are on, on Instagram, like doing it for a job and I'll be like, Oh, I really like the way that they edit or I really like this. And 
I have to like stop myself from being like, no, like just keep doing what you're doing. Like, don't, you don't have to change your video style just because this person's successful too. You know, so that's something that I actually have to at, like remind myself to like no don't copy them like you are fine the way you're doing it because I feel like you do get caught up in like oh well they're doing that like maybe I should do that too or maybe I should copy that style or and it's easy to do it I've seen so many videos and so many people on social media that all kind of look the same and it's like it's probably just because they've all gotten inspiration from each other <laughs> exactly. that's exactly right so stay unique you know yeah yeah and how have you like built your team? So I really want to talk about like the business part of it with like team building, hiring people. How do you decide who to hire and when you need to hire someone? That's great. I love that question. There are a lot of drawbacks to running your own business, as you know, right. but the best, one of the best parts is that you are the CEO owner. And so the buck stops with you. You can, you can disseminate a lot of the Byzantine distractions. Mm-hmm because you're the boss. And so I use this idea when I, hire, when I look at hiring my team, uh, I have a, a super talented group of five and I look at self-selection. I look at people that do it for the right reasons. For instance, um, my team are all super, super smart and successful in other fields. I have an actual MD, a doctor on my team who has chosen to leave uh, medicine and shoot photography. I have a, a girl who's amazing, super smart. She has a master's degree from Yale and wanted wow. to do photography. So these people are, are absolutely brilliant in their own field and have been successful, but they come to me or, or I meet them and find them and they want to do what I do. And that to me is the greatest determinant of job success. Uh, I also look for diversity in my, in my field. Uh, it, my team includes an, an exact equal split of men and women. And I have um, all different colors. I have African-American, I have Asian, I have Indian. And, and I love that because it brings ideas to the table that are diverse and think outside the box. They right. see the world very differently than I do, but also the world sees them very differently than they see me. And so to, to take that, those ideas from them, sort of like a Jahari window, where you can see parts of yourself through other people that you would never normally see just by looking in the mirror or looking through another, another person that looks like you, acts like you, thinks like you, talks like you. While that can be a comfortable zone to stay in because you don't have to ever fight diversity. That's not where it's at. Diversity is, right. is, 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 the, is the cesspool of creativity right? You get yeah. in there and you see the world differently and you combine multiple ideas and, and you smash things together and you create these, this, these amazing images for couples by seeing things differently. Right. I love that. I think that it is something when I am hiring people, it's something I always look for is one drive and passion. So it's, you actually have to want to be able to take initiative without me necessarily always like being on you, you know, like I want you to be able to have the passion, have the drive to take that initiative and maybe pitch to someone or come up with an idea and let me know. And don't feel like, oh, you can't let me know because I'm like your boss. You know, like I want those ideas flowing. And then also, again, like that diversity. If you have all the people that look exactly like you, you're going to miss out on so much. And you're also just going to kind of stay, I don't want to say ignorant because I don't think that's the right word, but you do, you sometimes are not as informed of the world as you could be if you oh hire gosh. people that experience it in a different way. 
Absolutely. And if you want your images and your feeling, the feeling of your images to, to be different, you have to have that. It's absolutely right. essential to welcome it, to be open to it. Right. I couldn't agree more. I think that's really important for any field and just building a team as like, especially because you are owning your own business, like being your own boss. I think hiring can be really scary because for me, I like, I'm always like, I don't know who to hire. Like, I don't know. How do I know that they're going to do a good job? Like, it's a very, very scary thing for me also to delegate tasks to people because I'm so used to doing everything myself. So how do you deal with that? Like, how do you let go of control and like give it to someone else? There's that old school rule of 80%. I'm sure Mm -hmm. you've heard it before, but if someone's 80% as good as you as something, then you need to let it go. But I actually encourage them to be different and think different because they'll approach you with new ideas. So if I'm editing a photo, I'll give them the exact same photo and make them go away. And I'll say, you edit this how you would. I'll edit it how I would. And then, you know, save your history so we can see what you did. And then we'll compare. And so, yeah, doing it right is is one thing. But doing it creatively and being open to new ideas is something completely different. So when I'm doing something right, it's very simple, black and white. You follow these steps. 80% is good enough. When you're trying to do something and breed new ideas, there is no percentage that can measure that. You just let them go. You let them loose and see what happens. Right. Right. Yeah. And before we go, I wanted to ask what your best advice is for any aspiring photographers or anyone honestly just in a creative field, but that might not have that educational background that might not really have picked up a camera in their life, but they really want to try how, what advice would you give them? I would tell them to be uh, nimble, be humble and to work really, really hard. And you have to do it for the right reasons. This is one of the most popular or desired industries in the world. Who doesn't want to travel and take pictures and get paid for it? Zero people. (laughs) Well, maybe, you know, like people that don't like to fly or whatever, but it's a highly desired job. And so in order to do it, your level of commitment and passion has to be in the top 2% in the entire world. Mm -hmm. You absolutely have to have the drive to do it and you can't see yourself doing anything else. And therefore you can't do anything else. You can't have a side job. You can't have a side hustle. This is it. You have to be in a hundred percent. And if you are, that passion shows through. But that's, that's a big part of it, but it's not all of it. You also have to be, like we were talking about earlier, being kind to people, being nice to people, being humble and nimble and being able to move in a new direction based on the, the environment and the things that are going on in the world, being able to change your perspective of things. And that has been a challenge, I think, for me and for everybody else that's an artist to sort of like take things into consideration and then move in a new direction. Right, right. I love that advice. I think it's really great advice. And kind of like you were saying, I mean, you were homeless and you still decided to do this and not make any money off of doing this. So I feel like that shows your passion, your dedication, that this is literally the only thing that you wanted to do. So I think that's awesome. Well, Clayne, where can they find you? Social media, website, where can they find your stuff? Uh, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, all at Clayne Gussel. And Facebook, Klein Gessel Photography, and website is kleingessel.com. And awesome. yeah, that's me. I'll have everything in the show notes, but thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Thanks.
Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. I'd love to know your thoughts on the Instagram and the private Facebook page. Again, if you guys would give this five-star review, that would mean so much to me. Thank you again to Clayton for coming on this podcast. It was such an honor and he is amazing. So definitely go and check him out. But I hope that you guys enjoy this episode and I'll see you guys next Monday on another episode of The Real Real Podcast. Hey, my name is Lovan Rumpf, and I've been working my ass off as a celebrity stylist by day and a podcast host by night. At the Low Life Podcast, it's all about keeping it real. We're talking fashion, beauty, to religion, sex, drugs, mental health. I mean, there's no topic off limits here, and vulnerability is mandatory. You can find my podcast, The Low Life, that's L-O, no W, everywhere and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. New episodes are out every Thursday. We'll see you then.